in chapter 14 last week. Last week we saw what was happening and remember we went back uh, into chapter 13 and uh, Jesus said, uh, where I am going you cannot follow to his disciples. And they were, they were struggling. Because following is what they did, right? From the very beginning, Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And for three and a half years, they followed Jesus. And now he says, you can't follow me any longer. You can't go where I'm going. You will come later. And Peter got up. <laughs> And in his uh, usual fashion, stuck his foot right in the middle of his mouth. I, I, I want to go with you, Jesus. I will, I will die for you. And Jesus said, no, Peter. Before the night's over, you're going to deny me three times. And then he launches into chapter four. He says, but don't let your heart be troubled. Their heart was troubled. The master was going away and they couldn't follow. And so the first thing he says, guys, listen, <clears throat> it's important that I go because if I go, I'm gonna prepare a place for you. I'm going to my father and in my father's house are many rooms, many mansions, many dwelling places. I want you, I want you to know I'm going to build your eternal home in heaven. And I'm going to come back and get you. I'm building it for you. And then he said, not only that, but while I'm gone, I have work for you to do. I have greater works for you to do. And those greater works were salvation. Because salvation is eternal. When people come to Jesus, it's forever. It's not just, oh, you're here for a little while? No. He said, you're going to do greater works because I'm not, only, I'm not just sending you to Jerusalem. I'm not just sending you to the Israelites in, in the little 30-mile square area that I ministered in. I am sending you to the world. Well, we get into this last half of chapter 14, and we're going to find that Jesus said, hey, I'm not going to leave you here unequipped. I'm going to send another helper. And that's where we find John chapter 14, verses 15 through 31. Let's read it together. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I do not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me. But you will see me because I live, you will live also. And in that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you and me, and I and you. He who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me 
will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. And Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you're going to disclose yourself to us and not the world? And Jesus answered and said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him, and make our and we will come to him and make our abode with him. And he who does not love me does not keep my words. And the words which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance what I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not let it be fearful. You heard that I said to you, I go away and I will come to you. And if you love me, you would have rejoiced because I go to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before, I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. You will not speak much, I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming, and he has nothing in me. And so the world may know that I love the Father. I do exactly as the Father commands me. Get up, let us go from here. The Holy Spirit. He promises it. Now, one of the things we need to understand about the Holy Spirit is that it worked differently in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we would see the Holy Spirit come on people, and maybe even for years. Elijah the prophet was like that. Elijah the prophet was called, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And if you'll remember when Elijah went up to heaven, right? He was caught up to heaven. He didn't die. And he said to Elisha, he said, if you're with me when I am caught up, you're going to get a double portion. And that fell on to Elisha. And Elisha did the same thing. But it was only, it was only given to certain people. And sometimes it was taken away. Remember Samson, he was a judge in Israel. And God had raised him up from a baby. Remember, he told his mom. He said he's to take the Nazarite vow, which means he wasn't to cut his hair. He was, wasn't to drink wine. And, and the Holy Spirit came on Samson, and he went around and just kicked the, all the, the, the Philistines. They were just, he was a trouble for them, right? And, and, but Samson got into sin, didn't he? And one day Delilah finally convinced him, what is your power? And she cut off his hair. And what happened? The Bible says the Holy Spirit left him. And they took him and they bound him, they blinded him, they put him, he was, he was grinding wheat, pushing the wheel around like a, a, bird, a beast of burden would have done. And his hair began to grow. And it said the Holy Spirit came back and in his death he killed more Philistines than he ever did in his life. That's the way the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament. 
But Jesus is saying, listen guys, when I, because I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to do some things for you. And so I want to look at the things that the Holy Spirit does for us so that we can understand why this is so important. Because the Holy Spirit is within each one of us. That's what his promise was. So we're going to look at some of the things that the Holy Spirit does. Well, the first thing that the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit has a part in salvation. Now, normally, what do we think about? The Holy Spirit is for believers, right? When, when you get born again, you receive the Holy Spirit, and it indwells you. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But did you know that the Holy Spirit has a part for unsaved people? In, in just a, an hour or so from the time that Jesus is making this teaching, he's going to teach them up on the Mount of Olives, he's going to teach them another truth about the Holy Spirit. And in John 16, he says this, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now watch what he does. And he, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, number one, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me and concerning righteousness because they go to the Father and, you, and I go to the Father and you no longer see me and concerning judgment because the ruler of the world has been judged. Now who is that for? Who does he convict? He convicts who of sin? The world. The world. The unsaved. Did you know that we're all built with a conscience? Now can we sear that conscience? Oh, absolutely. But he said, I'm going to convict the world of sin. Now the sin, the world doesn't like to be convicted of sin in the most part. They don't like the conviction part. It doesn't feel good because they know they're wrong. But you know, in my 31 years in law enforcement, very few people that I ever met say, oh man, I just really love living life with the needle hanging out of my arm. I really like how it feels when I wake up drunk the next morning after I put on a bender. I really like the fact that I live by stealing and, and, and thieving and, and I know that I'm going to go to prison. I really like that. But they, but they don't know how to get out and the reality is, is it's the Holy Spirit that's telling them this is not the way to live. I remember a gentleman came to me. I've been retired for a couple of years and uh, he walked into church one day. And he said, do you remember me? And I said, absolutely. He was one of our frequent flyers. He said, do you remember the last time you saw me? He said, yeah. I arrested you out over by Timberland Park in a stolen car. Do you remember what you said to me in the backseat of that car? I said, I haven't a clue. 
I, and he, he said, what you said to me was, we're getting too old to do this, aren't we? Because I, I, was, I was in my 40s at the time, and when you have to chase somebody, <laughs> and the older you get, the harder it is. Well, he started, he started thinking about that, and when he got, he said, I, I pled guilty to my crime. I knew I was going to go to prison, and in prison he found Jesus. And he came out, and he said, I've been clean and sober for three years. I, my family, I, I went back to my family, and I restored that relationship, and, and you know, here I am. That's what God does. Convicts of sin. He convicts of righteousness. Because the reality is it's a whole lot easier to live rightly with God than it is to, to be stand under a judgment. To stand under the judgment of God. And then it says convicting and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. You see, Satan wants the world to believe that he's in charge. Hey, come and enjoy life with me. See, come and, and do all these things. It's okay. You can, you can party in hell with all of your friends. Well, the reality is, is it's not like that at all. The reality is it's solitary confinement with, with torment. You don't have, that's not going to be, and, and he says, I want you to know that one day Satan will be judged and he will be bound and he will be thrown into the lake of fire forever. Amen. 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 The Holy Spirit is the one that shares that with the world. In Titus chapter 3 it says, And when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Now I want you to watch. This is salvation, folks. He saved us, right? By the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen? Amen? You see, we can't change ourselves. We can try. Oh, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to eat right. Right after the next donut. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, we, we watched a couple weeks ago when the guys came from Team Challenge. And how many of them did you hear? Oh, I tried this program and I tried this program and I tried this program and it didn't work until I found Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit came and he washed me. He Regeneration. Behold, all things have passed away. All things have become new. The Holy Spirit is in the process of renewing us. And it is a process. Oh, I, just, I, you know, I wish it was, you know, hey, I got saved and all of a sudden, boom. You know, I, I'm the perfect Christian, right? I dress right, I smell right, I look right. right? But it's a, it's a constant, the Holy Spirit is working. Working in us. 
And he brings us first to salvation. Because without salvation, we have nothing. Jesus is the one that is the change agent in our lives. Well, the next thing that the Holy Spirit does for us is, is he indwells you. The Holy Spirit indwells you. I want you to look at verses 17 and 23. Verse 17, that the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Now look at verse 23. And Jesus answered and said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him. And then look at that. Look at what it says there. And we. Who's the we? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we will come to him and make our abode in him. With him. The Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, and the Father, they live within you. Isn't that awesome? Now, what does that mean when the Holy Spirit lives within us? Well, it means we should be changing on a regular basis. The Holy Spirit works within us. Remember the old cartoons, right? We had the angel on this shoulder and the, and the devil on this shoulder, right? Don't do this. Do that. Do that. You know, that's not too bad because that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit begins guiding you. And guess what? You begin to change. You see, you no longer want, he changes our desires. You no longer want to go down to the bar until it closes. You want to come to church. You no longer want to read the Playboy magazine. You want to read the Word of God. You don't want to listen to, to, to you know, the the rock and roll or whatever it is, you want to listen to gospel music. And it changes over time. Now, I grew up, I grew up, uh, my family listened to, listened to country music. My dad loved country music. And so the radio was always tuned to country music. And, and you know, Hank Williams, this was back in the day. So I look, I'm older than I look, right? But, but dad used to listen to country music. <laughs> All, all the time, and, and you know, I, I think Bob's only 89, just, yeah. but, but over time, I, I got to college, I remember uh, in college, uh, I, I was dating a girl, and she, she said, you know, she was having these bad dreams at night, and I said, well, what do you listen to before you go to bed? She says, oh, I turned on, and, and it was a rock station in Portland. I, my first year, I went up to Portland. It's a, it was a rock, and I said, I want you to try something. I want you to turn, I want you to put it on 107.1, right? K-Love, right? Well, it wasn't K-Love back then, but, but it was a Christian station. KPDQ is what it used to be. Boy, that dates me. <laughs> KPDQ out of Portland was, was a Christian station. So I want you to listen to that before you go to bed. And, you know, in two weeks, she said, that's amazing. I go to bed listening to Christian music and I wake up in the morning and my heart, I, I sleep well all night long. I don't have these bad dreams anymore. And, and as a college student, I'm kind of scratching my head. What did I just do? 
And, and I began thinking. Now I have I have two stations on my on my truck that I have tuned in. 107.9 and 107.1. Both Christmas stations. My wife and I were watching the, the Country Music Awards. That's like we, it was, there was nothing else to watch. We thought we'd tune in. I did not know one person up there. I didn't know one song that they were playing. And, and the content of, of everything that I was listening to wasn't worth listening to, so we just turned it off. When the Holy Spirit indwells you, it, it takes you to places to... to change you from the inside out. And if you're not changing, then we need to ask why. Let the Holy Spirit work in and through you to change who you are. Well, uh, because Gene took so much time. No, uh, let's, let's get on. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Holy Spirit dwells in you? You're, the, you're a temple. And God wants that temple to be what? He wants to be pure. He wants it to be holy. Well, the Holy Spirit, the next thing the Holy Spirit does is he teaches us. The Holy Spirit teaches us. Look at verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. All that I said to you. You see, the Holy Spirit teaches us. I can remember growing up, I, I went to church and I read the Bible as, as a kid. But when I got saved at 15, I was amazed. I began, when I would read the Bible, the Holy Spirit would go, wow, you, you need to understand this. And I, I probably read through my Bible now uh, at least 40 times probably more, from cover to cover, plus all the studying I do. And God still reveals to me new things every time. You, I'm, I'll share one with you here uh, later on in the message that God just said this last week. I, I was reading this, I went, I never saw that before. I, I didn't understand that. The Holy Spirit teaches us in 1 Corinthians 2, it says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Isn't that awesome? That God takes his word and not only does he place it in our mind, but he gives us the words to speak. He gives us, he takes us to people to share with. He gives us the words to say. And you say, well, you know, sometimes I have a hard time. You know, one of the reasons we memorize scripture as a church family is so that when the time comes that God wants you to share, he's going to bring back that to your mind. He's going he's to remind you of what he said. And that's why it is so important to, to spend the time in the Word, spend the time memorizing these verses. So when somebody comes and says, oh man, it, it's, it's, a, it's been a rough night. You can say, guess what? 
Lamentations tells us what? His mercies are new every morning. Amen? His mercies are new every morning. The, he teaches us. The next thing he does is he brings you peace. He brings you peace. Did you, did you see verse 27? Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives to you, I give you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let it be fearful. Do we need peace today? Where, I mean, can, where can you go and find true peace? Only in God. I mean, because the world believes what? The world believes that peace is the absence of conflict. Right? Where can you go that there's the absence of conflict? Nowhere. You can go no. I mean, everywhere you go, there's conflict. But the Holy Spirit brings you peace. Because why? You know the Prince of Peace. We, we, we do not, in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Right? Because we know what? We have an eternal life in heaven. We're only, we're only journeying through this life right now. Our true home is in heaven. And yes, would, would we like this world to be full of peace, but it will never be peaceful. And the, hard, and, and the harder we try, it doesn't get any better. But the Holy Spirit can bring you peace. Now, this is where this, this came to me this week. This was as I was studying Galatians 5. Now, most of us, we, we get we get through the, about the first three uh, of this verse. So I want you to watch what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit is, let's say it together, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Okay? Nine of them, right? Now, most of us have probably read this verse this way. But the fruits, we put an S there. But what does it say? The, the fruit. The fruit. Think of it like a cluster of grapes. With nine grapes hanging on, now, it, hanging together. They all grow together. Now what, what do we like to do? Oh God give me the fruit of love. But I don't really want the fruit of self control. <laughs> Lord give me, give me peace. But I'm not so big on gentleness. Lord give me joy. But I really don't want to be faithful. But the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is all nine of these. You don't get one 
without the other eight. So when you say, oh God, give me peace, you know what the Holy Spirit is also going to do? He's going to teach you self-control so that when the guy cuts you off in traffic, oh, I need self-control. It's okay. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to let him come in. I'm going to be gentle. Honk, honk, honk. Right. The Holy Spirit is working on all nine simultaneously. And when he works in our heart, we will receive all nine of these things. And, and it will look wonderful. But we have to be willing to let the Holy Spirit work in our entire life. We're not going to have love unless we incorporate all these other eight. We won't have self-control unless we take those up. Do you understand now why it says the fruit of the Spirit? You don't get a choice. The Holy Spirit's going to work with you on all nine. Romans 8, 6 tells us, for the mindset on the flesh is death, and the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. You could take this verse and you could take it today and go to Washington, D.C. in front of the Supreme Court and you will have a perfect application of this. Because there are those who are there shouting their lungs, I have a right <coughs> This, this thing within me is mine to decide whether it lives or dies. And the mindset of the flesh is what? It is death. But what is the mindset of the spirit? It is life. And it is peace. The Holy Spirit will work within us. And he will bring us peace. Well, we gotta, we're, we're going to keep on going because we've got a couple more I want to hit. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you. In uh, Romans chapter 8, 26 and 27 says, In the same way the, the Spirit also helps your weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Do you see that? How he intercedes? Have you been there? Have you been at that place where you're, you, can, you cannot find the words to pray? But what does the Holy Spirit does? Oh, he understands. And he intercedes for you before the Father, saying, God, heal that spirit. When we can't pray, when the words won't come, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Well, there's a couple more I want you to catch that, that the Holy Spirit does for us. Does this work in 
Yeah. There it is. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. Sanctifies us. That's a big word. Sanctification is a pretty big word, isn't it? So what does it mean? Two things. First, it means set apart. We're set apart. But it also means becoming holy. Making something holy. Now, the Holy Spirit works in two different ways when it sanctifies us. And I want you to, I want you to understand this. In, first, in 2 Thessalonians 2, it says this. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. Being set apart has two parts to it. The first part of sanctification is what we call positional. Positional. Positional sanctification is the fact that the moment we are saved, we are positionally placed in heaven. Positionally, God puts us in heaven. In Ephesians 2, 6, it says that when we are saved, we are placed with him in the heavens. Past tense. Remember what he told the uh, disciples just, just before he was going? He says, I'm going to my father's house and I'm going to, that I'm preparing a place for you. And then what did he say? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will what? I will come again and bring you to where I am so that there you may be also. It's a promise. You're already placed there. Your name's on the lease. It's signed and it's sealed. And nobody can revoke that. Matter of fact, we're going to see that in just a moment. We're sanctified. The other half of it is how we live. We should be every day becoming more like Christ. We should be becoming more like Christ. He should be changing our life on a daily basis. Well, the last thing I want you to see is that we are sealed. Sealed by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, which also, having also believed, you were, were, notice past tense, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our, our inheritance with the view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Boy, there's a lot in this verse. If you've never looked at this verse before, this is a good one to spend some time in. Because look what he says. First of all, once you're saved, you having believed, you were sealed. Past tense, once again, the moment you're saved, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. 
And then he says, who was given as a pledge of your inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession? This is kind of a legal situation here. The minute you get saved, you're written into the will. Ben Ashley, son of God, child, child of God, join heirs with Jesus, has an inheritance in heaven. That pledge is that will with view to the redemption of God's own possession. God one day will redeem me bodily so that I can inherit what he has. He went to heaven, right? What did he do? He went there to prepare a place for me. And he says, if I go to prepare a place, I will come and get you. You're in the will. And one of these days, I'm going to redeem that. The moment that you either die or I come back. You'll get your, you will get your inheritance, guaranteed. And the sealing of the Holy Spirit is kind of, I want you to get two thoughts here. One is it's like the seal that the king put on the scroll, right? The king would, would write out the inheritance, he would roll it up, and then he would take wax, pour wax on it, and take a seal. And nobody could open it up until the king told them to. So if it was if it was the uh, if it was the scroll of your inheritance, it wouldn't be opened until you die. But the other sealing has to do with something he's already talked about in John chapter ten. In John chapter ten, Jesus was talking to his disciples. He was uh, talking about being the good shepherd. And in John chapter 10, verse 28, he says this, or 20, let's go to 27. But you do not believe, or 20, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Look at verse 29. And my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one will be able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Now I want you to, I've I, I almost brought a, a roll of duct tape with me today to, to, to give you a candy, but I want you to, to watch what happens. You're in Jesus' hand. Nobody can snatch you out of his hand. Nobody, nobody, nobody. There's nobody, nothing. Romans 8 tells us that, doesn't it? There's nothing in heaven, earth, in the future, in the past, nothing, nothing, nothing can take you out of Jesus' hand. And then what did he say next? He said the Father's hand is over that. And remember that I gave you the little, uh, the little idea of the frog, right? When my granddaughter went and got that frog. And, and once you're covered like this, that frog can't get out. Nobody can take it away. Matter of fact, you can't even get yourself out of that. And then the Holy Spirit is the duct tape. And that duct tape gets wrapped around those hands and seals those hands all the way up. 
And even if you wanted to, there's no way to get in. The devil can't get in. Sin can't get in. There's nothing. You can't, you can't do enough to get out of God's love. The Holy Spirit has sealed you for eternity until God says, redemption is here. Amen. Amen. Well, there's a lot more that the Holy Spirit does. We will, we will have to hold on to that for a, another sermon. But I want you to know, folks, Jesus taught this lesson shortly after he gave the Last Supper. They had just been seated at their, as a matter of fact, when he gave this, when he gave this message to them, they're still seated at the table. We ended the chapter with Jesus saying, what? He says, get up and let's go from here. They're still sitting at the table. They had just had the Last Supper. And he's telling them, listen, guys, I have to go. I'm going to die in just a few short hours. But I, I want you to know, you're not alone. You are not orphans. You're not. I have provided everything you need. The Father's going to be here. I am going to be here. The Holy Spirit is going to be here to be with you each step of the way. And so as we come to communion, I want you to think about the fact that everything that happens at the moment of salvation. Jesus said, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. See, if, if, if Jesus, when Jesus cried in the garden, uh, Father, take this away from me. Take this cup from me. But not my will, but thine be done. And the Father said, okay. I'm not going to require this from you. We would have been left in our sin. But Jesus said, no, not your will. Not my will, but yours be done. Your will be done. I will follow your commandments. In verse 31 it says, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. He says, I'm going to the cross. My body will be broken for you. Take and eat this in remembrance of me. My blood will be shed for you for the remission of sin. He says, I'm going to save you. And then, not only that, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Come and dwell us, teach us, sanctify us. You've already sealed us until the day of redemption. Communion's in the center, the back two corners, and the front two corners. The cup is stacked with the wafer at the bottom juice at the top. If you happen to be gluten-free, there's gluten-free options in the middle. If you'd be kind enough to reach in the pew in front of you and get the hand sanitizer so we do this as safely as possible, we would appreciate it.